0: You're listening to Drawn to a Deeper Story. I'm Kath Brew from DrawntoStory.com. I'm an artist who illustrates and educates about marginalised experiences for positive change with a particular interest in identity, belonging, and expat life. And this podcast is about the lives that challenges and the difficult conversations around them. It's a place to listen openly and to absorb people's truths and to learn how to show up differently for the benefit of everyone. And that's you included, the listener. So we know that relationships come in all shapes and sizes. And if we think about families, what images come to your mind? Is it two parents, three kids? Are those parents same-sex parents? Are they heterosexual parents? Is it Perhaps a single parent and a child. Or maybe your idea of family is a grandmother and a daughter living together. Or adults with adopted children. Maybe it's a man with a trans partner and their kids. So when I said to you, if we think about families, what did you see in your mind's eye? Whatever came to your mind shows you... What you consider to be a typical family, because we see the world through our own lens. And most often, that lens is a heteronormative idea of family. Did any of you see a polyamorous family? Did you know that 4 to 5% of people living in the United States identify as being poly? Now, 4 to 5% can seem quite small. But that actually equates to 17 and a half million people. And in Australia, it's roughly 2%. That still translates to a lot of poly individuals and families who are out there. And like with everything that we talk about on this podcast, that got me thinking about the hidden layers of polyamorous Couples, of well, yeah, actually, they're not couples, are they? (laughs) That's even me saying polyamorous. The hidden layers of poly lives and why we're not seeing them. And I wanted to know more. So I invited Adrian Sweetwater to talk with me about polyamory life. Welcome to the show and thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Kath. It's a real pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah thank you. I'm I'm can't wait to get stuck in and see where this goes. <laughs> uh, me but, too. <laughs> <laughs> but before we dig deeper, let me just share with listeners a little more about who you actually are. So Adrian has worked in the intercultural communication field for 10 years and is a consultant at Difference International. She holds a master's degree in intercultural relations and delivers workshops in intercultural competence and adaption to expatriate families and multinationals and facilitates diversity, equity, and inclusion trainings. Adrian is also vice president of CETA Brazil, which is the Society for Intercultural Educators, Trainers, and Researchers. And she is trained in the personal leadership facilitation methodology. Adrian is also an adult third culture kid and has lived and worked and studied in Ecuador, Spain, India, the United States, and Brazil, where she resides currently. And she lives there currently with her two Brazilian female partners in a polyamorous triad. Adrienne says that for her, there is no separating a queer mindset from a global mindset, and that they both require an unprecedented ability to imagine and to deal with the unknown to be flexible and creative and to deeply understand oneself and one's core values. Wow. (laughs) That's quite, quite a bio. I love that statement, Adrian, about not being able to separate the queer mindset from the global mindset. That's such a good way of looking at it. It's so good. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Kath. (laughs) I never thought of it that way. And I just love that. And that similarity. And for me queer is such an interesting word because historically as you know for so many it's been used as a term of abuse and there's a lot of people that are still Mm -hmm. quite sensitive to it but it's also Mm -hmm. a reclaimed powerful word of otherness in in identity so in addition to what you said in your bio what does being queer mean to you Yes. Well, I love
1: getting to put that last paragraph in this bio because that (laughs) usually doesn't get included uh, for the work that I do um, most often. So that's a real pleasure to kind of explore this other Mm. part that's, of course, integrated with everything. Mm. So yeah, that queer is such a complicated word with a very complicated history, but it has offered so much possibility to me and is one that I have found fits my identity the very best Mm -hmm. possible way. And I feel very, very privileged to have come out in life as queer in college when Mm. we actually had a first group of students able to study queer studies. And that was a switch from LGBT studies. Mm. So we got to really, you know, get in the the academic terms and weeds, and while we are also coming out for ourselves. And to me, it's this, you know, the, the term queer is this great umbrella that covers so many other identities mm. and offers a lot of possibilities. And it really, it fits me the best. In part, you know, my first adult relationship was with somebody who identifies as trans or Mm. genderqueer. And so I never really felt like the term lesbian was going to fit for me. Um, Also, because I have an attraction to more masculine presenting partners Mm -hmm. or people who have gender identities that are a little bit more fluid. And occasionally, I'm attracted to a a straight cisgendered man but not so much for longer term relationships that's Mm. been not so interesting to me for about 15 years now Mm. (laughs) um yeah so it's just I what I like about queer is it's really all-inclusive at this point in our Mm. history and uh sometimes needs an additional explanation but allows for more possibility and
0: was there any reason that you you identify more with queer than say something like pansexual or or like, there's so many out, so many terms these days that I hear some straight people who really want to be helpful and trying to understand, but they're like another term. Like I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> so how does that? <laughs> how does that differ for you? What What is it about queer that really makes you queer as opposed to pansexual? Uh-huh. That's a great
1: question. We sort of tease in the the diversity, equity and inclusion field that there's this like alphabet soup that's never ending. Right. New terms and new. And that's that's great. I think language is so helpful to describe differences. Um, Mm. Sometimes we can kind of fall in those pitfalls of being worried about using the right terms so we mm. stop talking yeah. you know but yeah I guess queer to me also has this a little bit more of like a political
0: stance mm. it's a bit um, edgier too isn't it yeah
1: yeah I like how it sounds I'm mm. a I'm a big fan of that I think frankly yeah I don't you know pansexual I don't know it just I, I also that the, the term of having sexual in there I, mm. when I can say I'm queer that um it feels more all-encompassing to me and more it it fits you know yeah (laughs) it's like a nice nice pair of shoes absolutely and
0: I I really like queer and I like not having sexual in there because it it just removes those assumptions by people that everything it's all about sex anyway like the like as a As a lesbian, it's like, well, I don't care who you go to bed with. It's like, well, it's not actually the point. Mm. That's one (laughs) aspect of a very large identity of what it means to be a gay person. Um, Yes,
1: it's not actually all about the sex. No,
0: exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. exactly. So while we're on uh, terminology, um, I wanted to ask you for a very basic definition of what is polyamory and what does it mean to be poly, as they say, because I was very Mm -hmm. interested that when I Googled it, just to see what happened, everything came up about polygamy. Mm-hmm.
1: And there was very little mm-hmm. on
0: polyamory. So can you just give us a, a 101 lesson on what the differences?
1: Oh, yes, I would be happy to. And I should also say, I certainly don't <laughs> assume to be an expert at, at by any means in, <laughs> in the field. And so I, a lot of it is me learning as we... Mm. <laughs> we go in life. But yeah. my, you know, what I, the the term polyamory and how I understand it is recognizing that you are somebody who can love more than one person at mm-hmm. the same time. And that polygamy is very specific to the institution of marriage. Mm-hmm. So you, if you are actively practicing polygamy, then you are married to multiple people. Okay. Whereas polyamory similar to queer for me the two are very connected in my own identity has just a wealth of possibilities so you were chuckling about you know couples being poly but actually a lot of couples identify as being poly or polyamorous Mm -hmm. although they would identify perhaps there's all these like structures you know like relationship structures you could have and Mm -hmm. many couples will identify themselves as their significant other or primary partner, but that they have certain consensual Mm -hmm. understandings about non-monogamy that they practice, that they've agreed on for their their own relationship so so while it sounds funny to have couple and and poly together actually the two can go together (laughs) yeah
0: it it can work really that way can't it and and i guess it comes down to as you say it's whatever that contractual agreement is between you both that emotional contract um, of whether there's all three people or if all four or five or whatever in that or whether it's kind of primarily two and then uh, others that come in and out depending on what the agreements are
1: yeah. So I guess another way to put it is it very simply is consensual non-monogamy. Yeah. And I, I just would put a caveat that I, or caveat, no, but just an observation, something I've been reflecting on a lot over the years is mm. that I think with our, with our society, that monogamy becomes a default assumption. It's mm. not necessarily um, because we don't necessarily know we've got other options or that there mm. are other consensual options mm. available. Mm. So poly, being poly, polyamory, it offers another option, you mm. know, and um, there's a great um, within the Ted talk too that. I, that I sent you there. Yeah.
0: that was good
1: no ha, mm. uh-huh. He has this great phrase of um, you know, your thing is not my thing, but your thing is okay. So mm. I, I, as somebody who identifies as poly, I don't have any problem with monogamy for
0: other people. Mm. I just know it's not for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That it's interesting. You, you bring that up because in that one of the things I loved about that, um, that video, and I'll put a link in it to the show notes so that people can um, watch it. Cause it was very good um, where he said, like, whatever your thing is, it, it, it doesn't matter, but it's your responsibility to choose mm-hmm. it. And I thought mm-hmm. that was really, really powerful because there must be so many circumstances where, whatever your thing is, that there, there's there's guilt of not being able to to live that life that you want to, or you try and force someone else into because you have this idea that you you have to be married in a certain way, and it's like, well, I want to, I'm going to try and make my other half get involved in this, or what? Like how that's all managed? I thought that was a really powerful statement of taking res- responsibility for your own emotional journey and and sexual but mm-hmm. it doesn't always have to be sexual
1: oh yes no I love that you highlighted that because I think that's a be- a huge piece about being poly is that you have to really develop strong communication skills mm. and be responsible to yourself and then to your partners mm. as well constantly and so um, like a lot of people when they first hear about our triad, and I talking about terminology, I, I prefer the word triad to thruple yeah. just because I like how it fits better for, for us. Yeah.
0: I just um, think of Chinese triads when I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> but I but but as you explained to me from the, the Portuguese word, it actually fits much better. So
1: Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, in, in Portuguese it's trizal. Mm. and it's closer to triad and to me it it sounds more stable mm. like a tri- like if you think of a tripod
0: yeah
1: uh and that's that's where I go in my mind mm. so I I prefer it than thruple, but mm. we're you know but but that's when people first hear about uh our triad or me being in a triad they're like whoa that sounds so complicated you know it's mm. uh I have enough trouble with my one partner or yeah. enough complications. And I would just say to that, um, yeah, when you have more people, there is more complexity. Um, but I think it also demands a level of honesty mm. and responsibility and communication that, you know, you really can't get away from. No.
0: <laughs> with- yeah, I can so- have- Uh, But also that must be really satisfying operating on a level of honesty and truth and in, in being in touch with yourself and authentically you, like having to communicate on that level and not being able to necessarily sit and stew on something in a corner (laughs) if you wanted to (laughs) I'm sure that still goes on but
1: (laughs) yes it does yeah you know some days some days it is really satisfying and some days it's just a a huge pain in the butt you know (laughs) um but I I do think there's kind of an addition it's like if you know people have talked about romantic partners being like a mirror to who you are, you mm, know, when you're, mm. when you're living, live yeah, particularly, but anybody, I think you could even say that about a close friend. Yeah. who You really trust, you know, you, you, you kind of have this expectation that you'll be able to get a, a mirroring back of what, you know, getting feedback and mm. when looking at yourself in a different light and yeah, sometimes that can be like really tough. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. ouch, that hurts a little bit, but um, but I do think it kind of demands a level of personal growth that is often very fulfilling and mm. and um, it has for me it has this kind of like you know when when I'm getting that from two different people, these multiple angles it's uh, it's a push to really continue evolving
0: mm. as a person you yeah know? yeah it, it's it's always good to look back on growth and think that it's satisfying, but at the time you <laughs> You don't want to be in growth per se. I'm using air quotes because it's a pain in the ass, like yes. it's horrible. <laughs> but but you enjoy the the results of it often afterwards. yes, yeah. No mud, no, no lotus, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, you touched too on friendships because that's something I I wanted to ask you about. That like we know that it's possible to love people in different ways, and that how healthy it is to have. Different types of love, and to not get everything from um, a partner, or or even two partners. Like, but but from let's say let's just do the binary, so that we know that there's
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, we need more from than a partner. But it got me thinking about romantic love and that being a social construct, and how not all couples have sex. I mean, we we know there's mm-hmm. asexual people, and there's there's also aromantic people, like that that are. Everyone forms these relationships differently. And so if there's like romantic couples who don't have sex, but then you can have a level of love for a friend that is a level of Mm -hmm. intimacy that's that's emotionally intimate relationship. What is polyamory then? How does that differ from polyamory if you don't have to be sleeping with someone to be in relationship, so to speak? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. No, great, great question, Kath. So, one thing that, to me, the poly community has given a lot of helpful languaging to different types of love and emotion and feelings. Mm. And frankly, I'm still learning a lot as we go with this. So mm. what I you know, what I hear you're kind of talking and asking about is that platonic, mm. or, or when relationships can start to move more platonic or just have less sex, which is also really normal, right? Mm. Where that happens over time. Um, and you have what the poly community calls new relationship energy or mm-hmm. NRE. I just mm-hmm. love this. There's, um, uh, Minx who's the host of another podcast called poly weekly. Uh, I, a lot of these terms I have gotten from listening to that podcast, which I recommend for all of those looking to get more informed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's what do you do with that? I, part of it is about just acknowledging that the that different types of loves exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you have different emotions and energy and connection with different people. Um, and, and that those are all valuable. Those mm. are all valid. And, and, and the other question that they ask a lot on that podcast that I was, that I love is, is the relationship that you're in or relationships, does it help you be, you know, a happier, healthier person Mm -hmm. in it than outside of it, you Mm -hmm. know, or, or Mm -hmm. on your own, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So that's um, a reflection. And I, I, so I came into our triad um, with my two partners, who are both named Mariana, <laughs> so there's two Marianas just to make it that much more confusing. It looks like that's either and...
0: easier or more confusing. I'm not sure which. <laughs> <laughs> exactly,
1: and um, they had been they had been together for nine years when I uh, joined our mm-hmm. and would when we became a triad, and yep. so I think a lot of our first year and a half of our three years together as a triad was a lot of the new relationship energy of how, mm. how are we move? You know, they had to move from being, uh, a couple mm. to now a triad. Um, it was all of our first experience with this format of, of polyamory, which is, we're basically a closed triad. So the three of us, um, and we're a closed equal triad what I say equal I mean nobody has there's no primary relation dyad in our triad
0: because <laughs> I know that's something that often is talked about in the poly community is if there's an existing couple and someone comes in it's there's always mm-hmm. the assumption that that person's going to be the one that goes out if anything goes wrong because there is the coupledom but actually it doesn't <laughs> have to be like that does it
1: right exactly um yeah, and I got questioned about that a lot early mm. on from outside people who didn't really know our dynamic or hadn't seen us together. Um, but from the very beginning of our relationship, it was very clear to me that we all wanted to be on an equal playing field. That the, so to speak, the couple of the two Marianas, as, as we know it, yeah. died. That relationship... Is was over. Doesn't exist it doesn't, anymore.
0: Yeah. In exactly. That mm. Mm. It
1: does not mean that they don't have a really beautiful, important history together, because they yeah. do. And that is a part of our dynamic and, and their dyad dynamic. Mm. Um, but it they stopped seeing themselves as a couple yeah. as we became more serious in our triad relationship. Yeah. And I remember um, the Marianas are not married on paper or they never had an official ceremony or Mm. anything, although they did wear, uh, rings Mm. to sort of symbolize their connection. And at a certain point in the first year of our relationship, they said they both kind of looked at each other at one point and were like, yeah, this Mm. ring thing, it doesn't really make sense anymore. (laughs) And they just kind of they're like yeah yeah okay and took it off and, <laughs> yeah. and said you know that was a great moment but yeah. this is this is another really beautiful part I think that any relationship healthy relationship can do not just poly is acknowledge when it's changing yeah acknowledge, and people are too afraid when,
0: to do that because I oh, think it's God, so the end of afraid something. yeah
1: yeah we think change is bad when Mm. when often it can bring so much good you know I
0: I haven't I haven't checked my wife before saying this but I I probably should but I was just (laughs) gonna say in in recent years we've had some conversations where we've both kind of looked at each other and and kind of laughed because we're like this should be really bad like this should be something Mm. that that like if you're thinking about what most couples would be not coping with this or having a big breakup or like what like whatever the issues were and then, but we then laughed and looked at each other and said, but I've never felt more close to you, mm, and and mm-hmm. that level of honesty in a relationship yeah. is yeah. so important. And I think oh. people just they don't go there. And and even if they want to, if their other half can't or their other two halves or however many they they are made up of, <laughs> um, if they can't, then it. it there's a stumbling block for you as well as that person who may want to need to go there and have those conversations. So it can be very difficult. Yes,
1: so it can, mm. but it's also, you know, I, you're talking about that emotional intimacy, you know, mm. and not necessarily like a physical or sexual intimacy, mm. but like that conversational intimacy of just real talk and real connection and yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. It's mm. like, it can be so scary to go there, but then when you do, it's like, Oh wow. It's just a, a I, you know, it's such a relief. It's yeah. such a weight off your shoulders. Yeah. It's, oh, very it was, important.
0: yeah, I know. And we'd always laugh because we'd go on a drive somewhere and we'd have these amazing conversations in the car or if we were out somewhere, and we'd always joke if we'd ever had an argument or if something wasn't feeling quite right, that we need to go on one of our drives. because it'll Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Um, but, but that, that brings me back to this idea of, I guess it's just my own exploration of trying to understand the the details of what polyamory is because that particularly for women as well, I mean, for, for men as I guess as well, but, but I can only really talk as a woman that, that level of of emotional intimacy that you have with, with a close female friend and Mm -hmm. that it just fascinates me where all these lines are between just platonic love like polyamorous love like different all those different kind of loves and how it all works and it all can work fine as long as you're all on the same page it's it's no problem um yeah but just that that level of intimacy in friendships because and I don't want a partner to be everything because I'm Mm -hmm. my attitude and I think this is maybe this is a poly kind of attitude, I don't know, but my attitude is that there's me and whoever is in my life is about adding to my life. You you can be a couple, you can be a triad, but you are the core of your life and you have to do what you need to do. And whoever comes in adds to that, not necessarily complete you, if that makes sense.
1: Yes, 100%. Yeah, and Kath, you bring up a really good point which is another piece of poly identity that you can have, you can identify as poly or have a poly mindset, but not be acting, Mm. not acting out poly. You can Mm. be in a monogamous relationship and to the contrary, you can also be a monogamist, but kind of trying out poly and acting out poly and seeing how, or if it works for you. And I think, you know, I was reflecting for myself. I think I've always had a poly identity mindset, Mm -hmm. so to speak, even though I've been in closed relationships and monogamous relationships, but I can remember back, you know, ever since being in high school that I This idea of kind of, yeah, one other person like fulfilling all of Mm -hmm. your needs uh, and desires and wants Mm -hmm. just seemed pretty ludicrous. Um, And I also recognized pretty soon that part of my sexual identity is that I don't have to necessarily have an emotional connection with somebody to have Mm -hmm. sex with them. Um, and as a, as a woman, that's not it's very totally, radical. <laughs> that is very radical. Yeah. We're not allowed to believe that. <laughs> exactly. It's so sad, you know, and that's where the like mm. slut shaming stuff yeah. comes in and all of this really icky, yeah. you know, patriarchal, whatever. Yeah.
0: Um, and, and women's bodies shouldn't be enjoyed all that kind of stuff. But, yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. There's a whole, you know, that's a whole another, <laughs> a whole another podcast. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Have you read um,
1: The Ethical Smart? Yeah, so I read parts of it Mm. years ago when I was in college and exploring poly for the first time I guess when mm. I came across the languaging and it's such a great mm. yeah it's kind of the 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 staple I, I was going to say the bible the bible really. like I almost said it too and
0: then I was like oh you know but no I do yeah, so I'm right. going to say it <laughs> <It's> great <laughs> thank bible. you you said it <laughs> I'll agree with because I some a friend mentioned it to me and said it was an interesting read and I mm-hmm. It's not I mean I've always been absolutely a monogamous person and mm-hmm. and so I was curious to see what this said and I it really got me thinking because mm. anyone who's who's read it will know that it, it talks about sex and love being a very human needs, but that we often view them as providing the same function rather than as, as separate functions yeah. and as a human need in many ways, sex should not should it is no different as a functional need of eating. Needing sleep, needing exercise, whatever. And mm-hmm. so, how do you, as a poly person, I mean, you've you've kind of already answered that, I guess. But how do you see that in that the functionality of of a human need over romantic, complicated, mm-hmm. emotional stuff that has the potential to get ugly? <laughs>
1: oh, it. I wish I had like a simple answer, and I really don't. But um, I, what I know, and I for myself, is that I'm I'm clear that I can. I can have sexual encounters with people that are consensual and positive, but that are not Mm -hmm. affective. They're not emotionally connecting, and I don't need them to be. And as long as that's like established with the other person, too, and we're all on the same board, then great, you know? One of my partners, I believe, would identify as demisexual, which the way that I understand it is that she really. Needs to have the affective, emotional, relational connection with somebody uh, in order Mm. to have sex with Mm. them. And so sexual or like casual sexual encounters aren't very positive for her. They're not something that she would seek out or that she you know Mm. that's that's a so yeah it's more
0: complicated exactly
1: exactly it's more complicated and that's a a pretty big difference between the two of us that we have had to navigate off and on in our and they're still navigating to be frankly I don't think you (laughs) like there's no there's some things you don't ever like come to consensus about you know you just (laughs) kind of
0: (laughs) well and also uh, with monogamy there is that assumption that there's you hope that there is just the two of you um but but that talking about what you've just said it it just makes me think about jealousies and all that emotional stuff that comes into play and how hard that must be in a poly environment particularly Mm -hmm. if it's a closed like you say a closed triad that's there but also if you're you're an open Mm -hmm. uh, relationship and and i don't know if i could um i think that's probably the one thing that would really stop me is Mm -hmm. i think i'd just be I'd be a meltdown I think
1: for sure (laughs) I understand (laughs) well just to to finish a thought about needs though I I think it's Mm. important to under like for me I've been able to identify there's sometimes there are certain needs that you know you have but you know you might not be getting in a certain moment and that's okay you know it's kind of that balancing and then there's like the needs and wants and sometimes you, it's hard to distinguish between what a need and a want, like what a want, Mm. (laughs) like that would be nice, but it's not a deal breaker. Um, and then kind of, you know, negotiating that with your partners or partner, um, that that's where the tricky stuff comes in. So you brought up jealousy, which is like huge. And that's what, that's like another thing that people really, one of the first things people say, like, Oh my gosh, like, there are three of you. How do you get jealous? Mm. And I usually respond to that by saying, well, yes, don't you? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Because I think jealousy is a pretty common human emotion. Mm. Um, and it's a pretty present or it can be present in all types of relationships, romantic mm-hmm. and otherwise. Yeah, um, And yeah. actually, Brazilians treat jealousy in such a different way than like anglo cultures and i i love it really how's it different? it's so much more accepted it's like a part it's not stigmatized in such a heavy way like i feel like in english and from a lot of anglo culture reference when you say like oh that person's so jealous it's like really negative <laughs> like oh you know it's like they're not coping with like deal with your shit kind of stuff (laughs) exactly and or you know they're really insecure Mm. or whatever and in Brazil Mm. it's part of the emotional intelligence to understand that jealousy comes up and that it's it's okay and they actually are a little bit playful with jealousy like (laughs) in a way that I I found really um liberating like at first it was Mm. kind of strange for my rational brain and then the more that I kind of just eased into it and and watched it you know watched how it comes up culturally I was like
0: oh I can learn mm. a lot from this so well, I would imagine that the more it's it's allowed the less it becomes an issue because it's allowed to exist and you're allowed to talk about it yes uh, maybe I don't, well, is that what happens well I would like to say
1: ideally <laughs> ideally that's what could happen um yeah reality is quite rea- exactly like there's human condition. <laughs> you know, bringing it back to the poly context, like you have to deal with jealousy in, in a more upfront way, because otherwise you're not, there's no moving forward, you know? Um, And, and that's really, that is really tricky because it's such a delicate Mm. emotion and very sensitive and often has insecurities a part of it too. Mm. So, um, and I think there's also this piece in multiple cultures or societies that this idea of like, well, if you really love me, then you'll show that you're jealous about me <laughs> or something. And mm. that, yeah, I've always kind of taken ish- issue with that. Like I I don't consider So it was interesting, like the first year that I was with my partners, um, we were in a long distance relationship and I, they would come to see me like every other weekend and I would go there every other weekend. And so we kind of did this like 15, 15 day thing. And I remember the, one of the few times that I felt jealous was when it was one of my partner's birthdays and I wasn't present, but they were at her mom's house and they were Mm -hmm. celebrating with her mom. And I Mm. was like so mixed because and and to me like jealous in English doesn't even quite fit because I was so Mm. happy and like it was so sweet. Like her mom made her this beautiful cake that she loves and it was great to see Mm. them celebrating it. But I wanted to be there, too. You know, I I didn't want to miss out. And so I was like kind of butthurt about it you know it was like sad <laughs> and mopey about it mm. but it didn't take away the happiness that I felt for them being able mm. to be that you know so that's the kind of com- levels of complexity and and I know a lot of poly people who feel jealousy around that kind of stuff or like emotional stuff they're like oh yeah, yeah. you know they, they have varying levels about the physical sex part mm. with other people um But like a lot of times, it's like the the other things kind of get you more or hook you more. Yeah,
0: I'm fascinated by that. I mean, all human emotions they're all part of the human spectrum of what it means to be human. All these different emotions, but there's something about jealousy that I think is a really I don't, and I'm not talking about like obsessive jealousy and kind of weird stalk behavior and that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. If we, I'm just talking about normal, normal kind of jealousy that 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 people have that it's also a, to me it feels like a very healthy trigger of what's important to you mm-hmm, it reminds mm-hmm. you of what you want to be doing where you want to be who you want to be with because you can't you can't stop it from coming up yeah. it's it's yeah. a really uncomfortable emotion <laughs> and it comes up and then you become this like you do weird behavior off it yeah. like you're trying to, so it's a really healthy i mm-hmm. think it feels like a really healthy emotion to check in with yourself about why you're feeling what you're doing and things like anger as well like all these are these emotions that make you feel uncomfortable it's like okay why is that happening it's usually nothing to do with the other person but yourself and what's not dealt with in you or what are you dealing with yes
1: exactly Mm. oh i'm i'm so glad you said that kath and brought this up it's like it can be Jealousy can be a great gift if you, or opportunity, if you want to take it, it's like a little red flag for you to say, Oh, something's going on for me. Yeah. What, let me check in with myself. And what is it that I need? Let me take responsibility for myself. What's not okay with jealousy in my mind for any healthy relationship is putting the responsibility onto another person yeah Um,
0: blaming them and yeah yeah. and that can be really uncomfortable also if the other person doesn't realize that that's what's happening like it's not it that's when it becomes that that awful imbalance and it's it's not it's not even kind let alone nice or anything
1: exactly um there is i just am remembering back to some poly communities use the word J like I'm feeling a little J (laughs) Um, to acknowledge that that little like that jealousy flag comes up and it's it's a great like it's a light way because right in English like jealous is so raw but if you just say oh you know hey love I'm I I'm just feeling I just need to express to you that I'm feeling a little bit J I'm not sure what I need right now, but once I know, I will check back in and let you know. Like,
0: yeah, oh. and and often it comes from a position of love because you're wanting to be with that person. Yes, or yeah. your you. I mean, it's a bit like the kind of FOMO, isn't it? The fear of missing out. Uh-huh. But <laughs> but it, you can keep it light, and you can kind of say, actually, I'm really jealous that you're spending time with your friends because I want to be there and I want to be spending time with you. Exactly. Like Exactly, it, it can come from a nice place.
1: Yeah, mm. it it often does, and and it's it's often not about yeah a like romantic connection with someone else it's often mm. just about a connection with somebody else or a connection with something or some activity that that person really likes doing that you would like to be able to be a part of with
0: them but it's yeah. not
1: possible or
0: yeah you know yeah whatever yeah thinking of in a mobile lives and expat lives that so often that is the case that we're not around the people that we really want to be with because they're living in other countries yes. or they're Whatever. And I think to learn about these emotions in another context, like looking at polyamory, (laughs) it's actually, in a weird way, a really good way of looking at, if we're not in polyamory relationships, how that actually impacts our own lives and and looking at it in a different context to give us some more insight into what we might be feeling about our own lives or Mm -hmm. or what we're involved Mm -hmm. in.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: For me, listening to you talk, you you seem like there's a a quite a lot of intersectionality of like same-sex relationship, polyamorous relationship, TCK, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) different languages. Like how, how do you package all that together? Like how do you actually identify (laughs) if you can? Uh
1: No, great question. Well, I, it's such an ongoing process, right? But um, yeah, I, I guess to me, this, this piece and what I wrote about, in the bio of, for me, having a global mindset is very Mm. interconnected with having a queer mindset is Mm. that you don't use one point of reference as the correct or only point of reference. So Mm. that's true with relationships. That's true with culture. That's true with values. That's true with Mm. language, you know, but it's tricky because at the same time, you got to maintain what's important to you and discover that and Mm. identify with that. So yeah, it's been quite a journey for me, (laughs) like admittedly really value a lot of self-reflective time, a lot of meditation, Mm. a lot of re-evaluation to be able to stay connected to like the core of who I am. So You know, as as a very small example, I know that being in nature and being active in nature, whether that's hiking or biking or camping or just being, you know, sitting under a tree for a while is like essential to who I am. Like I need that to feel happy and to be happy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I try to seek that out wherever I am living in the world and whoever I am with. That's become something Mm. that's been Important non
0: negotiable, exactly.
1: Kind of. Exactly, yeah. it's become a non negotiable with my relationships, um, and friendships too. Frankly, like not just mm. romantic, mm. but like, well, eh, I don't know, I think you have different levels mm. of friends, but with the deeper, but the more like you know, intimate friendship, yeah, absolutely. Like,
0: no, I agree 100%. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: um, however, it's like also looking at the needs thing. It also really, really mattered to me to live in Brazil and to establish myself in Brazil. And um, and that meant living in Sao Paulo for two mm. and a half years, which is mm. a very dense urban, you know, yeah.
0: it's like amazing place. It
1: is. It, it's amazing. <laughs> exactly. It's amazing. But it is not that nature. No, I was going to say it's like concrete, concrete jungle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I mm. think that, but it's not, you know, it's like, it's that that horrible expression of you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, mm. I, I mm. think I almost, you know, I, if I had had a very sort of binary mind or black and white thinking, I might have said, oh, well, I don't think I can be happy in Sao Paulo because of the lack of nature. Mm. And so I'm not even going to give myself a chance to live there and figure yeah. that out or experience yeah. that you
0: know yeah you shut down any opportunity for a new insight by just deciding it yeah.
1: yeah yeah and so that's and i'm so very glad i didn't you know things as things would have it i've been able to now integrate and incorporate like international living and particularly my my new my roots in brazil with like other aspects of my life that are so important um Living in a queer triad and getting mm. a lot of nature time, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's funny how, yeah, I guess I, I don't know if that that translates well in terms of, but to me, that's the primary thing is like it's this kind of commitment to being queer minded and globally minded to me is mm. like this commitment mm. to not letting one perspective overtake another or one yeah. always holding and making space for multiple opinions yeah. and perspectives yeah and, and, yeah. and values that,
0: yeah. yeah yeah i think that's really exciting and i i think that also leads for a an adventurous life mm-hmm. in that you that to me is is like the key to happiness as well is that there's always opportunity there's always space to explore and view with an open mind it's like there's not just this option or that option it, mm-hmm. it, it it's a sense of it gives you a an outlook and a perspective but it also gives you a sense of self that doesn't limit you because anything is possible yeah I just wondered whether you change how you talk about your identity in different contexts because oh, of... yes <laughs> every day <laughs> yeah I mean it can be different but also are there core ones that that stay the same therefore I'm just interested at what comes out when really yeah, that's oh god, I
1: we could talk about identity forever. <laughs> it's such a rich topic and uh so worth exploring more. And I have a friend, a very good dear friend of mine who's also queer and also globally minded and mm. when I we went to college together, he lives in Spain with his partner and their son. And when I first came out, he was like Adrian you have to know that you never stop coming out
0: you mm.
1: are going to be coming out for the rest of your life and yeah.
0: was that you coming out
1: as as Polly then that was me coming out as queer. So that, queer. yeah, that was okay. me having my first relationship with another woman and mm-hmm. exploring this identity in college. Um, yeah, and
0: he's right. You do. Oh gosh. I'm yeah, sure yeah you know,
1: you know, and every that, every day, several times a day. Exactly, <laughs> and in different ways, and that has also changed for me because, like, I will often when I'm meeting somebody new here in Brazil. In business settings, I rarely come out as any. I, I rarely, my sexuality is not a part of an identity that I put in the forefront at all with my
0: with my corporate work. Like it's not. I tried that, and I suddenly yeah. seem to be talking about it all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Seems to be my whole work. Well, you kind of have to. Yeah, I think you visibility as well. Exactly, exactly. I let like my international identities step forward a lot more. I I let my global mindset and these other pieces like multilingual, like those are what are in the forefront during my day-to-day work. And that was every now and then like I I feel comfortable coming out but depending on the circumstance, but it's not really it's not really like the focus of the of the work that we do. So, but when I'm like getting to make a new friend and I think that I'm going to want to you know, like have them be a part of our lives, then I kind of test the waters by (laughs) talking about, I first just come out using she pronouns with my, as a partner. So I'll say, and I love it. since since they're both Mariana, I'll just like I don't feel like I'm <laughs> that's the easy say, option. Great. I say, yeah, you know, my You're partner, running... Mariana. <laughs> You're running scared. Right. And it's great. And then that's I so funny. It is. It's a trip, you know. And I'll wait to see the reaction because I think, well, if they're already gonna react poorly to yeah, the, the my next partner being she, go well. exactly then the yeah. next part I don't even have to go there you know no and, and sometimes <laughs> that's de- hilarious yeah sometimes mm. with the first encounter oftentimes we're not like that's the other thing about poly you always have these like agenda problems you know like mm. like we're all very busy people with our own jobs and our own hobbies <laughs> and so like how do we actually make you know we have to like yeah, organize make our, time
0: for each other right yeah.
1: and so sometimes like only one of them will be able to come to a first social Mm. thing. And if it's like, yeah, if it's like somebody who's a newish friend anyways, then I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Just have one of them come, see how it goes. And then if we're like, oh yeah, This is somebody we really want to get to know more. Then I'll be like, Okay, we'll so, go to the
0: next step. Exactly.
1: By the way, I need to tell you more about our family. There are, do they then us. look around the door
0: and say, How many more are coming? Are there more than three? No, is there
1: just three. Yes, but oh my gosh, we have gotten that. That is funny. Yeah,
0: that is funny. So, do you feel then, as being Polly, that you have to hide who you are? You because you mentioned to me that you had been putting pictures of the three of you on social media and Mm -hmm. there'd been people thanking you for being visible Mm -hmm. like how safe do you feel being visible
1: oh good question I'm really mindful about for me like I talk about identity for myself as not necessarily hiding because to me that has like a pretty marginalized take but I do I will say that I will intentionally put parts of my identity on the in the forefront Or in the background depending on the context that I'm in and that way it's like I get to
0: choose you know (laughs) it's Mm. more empowering it feels nobody needs to know I mean I I think this is the thing there's a lot of people saying well my relationship if I'm a straight person it doesn't come into my work so why should it come into your to you You don't need to tell me and I'm like Mm. the people assume that I'm heterosexual right so it then you have to sit with that discomfort of do I correct them exactly and do I feel uncomfortable is that okay if I don't do I feel like I'm lying to myself doesn't matter I mean you know the the conversation that that goes in (laughs) that goes in your head and there's another whole level of complexity so if you are in that that space where someone assumes what's good advice Mm -hmm. for people who might be on the receiving end of putting their foot in it accidentally and, and what, what do you want people to say if, when they know?
1: So, you know, so a few parts, right. You kind of have to break it down. Like Mm -hmm. firstly, just to acknowledge that, yeah, it's very trying for people who are in like disadvantaged positions to just Mm. like constantly have that, you know, be assumed straight or be assumed Mm. whatever, that's not the case. And it it weighs Mm. on you, but like, we also mm. have days where we just don't want to deal with it and don't want to get in there. Yeah. And, and that's totally yeah. fine. And then, days, to blend. Exactly. Yeah. and then other days, exactly. And then other days where it's like, actually, you know, it, it's my yeah. female partner or actually mm. I have two female partners and, and that's totally okay. I think just having that permission to know that we, we have that. And then, yeah. Yeah. So then like when I do make the choice to talk about having two female partners and being in a triad, the best way to have somebody receive that information is to really acknowledge it, like to look me in the eye and validate. Validate. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. To be mm. like, oh, yes, I, I hear you, you know, in some way. Mm. So I had this the other day in my yoga class and we're still kind of getting to know each other because it's just started at the beginning of the mm. year. I finally felt comfortable now that I've been going for three months. We came up in conversation. I was talking about one of my partners. There was a guy who asked a question about her. And I said, Yeah, there's actually two of them. There were Mm. three of us. And he said, Oh, like polyamory. You all are in a polyamorous relationship. And I said, Yes. And that was perfect. You know, he just looked me in the eye asked if it was a polyamorous relationship I could confirm and then we went on to our yoga class you know it was like thank you that that was perfect <laughs>
0: from like coming out myself the sense of satisfaction of knowing that it's not going to get complicated like yeah. I'll talk about my wife and they'll just instantly say oh well, what's her name what did she do and they just go with it mm-hmm. and it's so satisfying yeah that you're not again having to explain and uh-huh exactly kind of- talk about who you are when it's not really what you would be doing normally
1: exactly and you know I think too it's normal to have surprised reactions or but it's not like I think it's important for the receiver to know like that's not really the place to express Mm. your surprise or like Mm. oh my gosh like how on earth do you do that like there are three of you whoa I could never do that like that's not really something that is about me so (laughs) you
0: know Mm, what I mean yeah Um, that's your stuff yeah yeah
1: it's in that initial moment you know like once we develop some you know connection okay let's get into it sure but like when I don't know you Mm, no thank
0: you (laughs) You well I always say to people if it's not something you're going to ask heterosexual heteronormative (laughs) like cisgendered person then why are you asking me or why are you asking someone else do you think that's appropriate
1: yeah that's a good kind of like temperature stat I suppose yeah check in right like when people ask us like well well what are your sleeping arrangements I'm like what business none of your business yeah I mean (laughs) Again, once i You tell me, no. you know, you show me yours and I'll show mine. Right. <laughs> yes. Or I also think this too, like we have a lot of lesbian friends with children and people are like mm. so curious, like, well, how did the, how were the babies conceived? Like, mm. you know, like who was the donor and like, or were they adopted or this? It's just like, mm, like,
0: uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. Just yeah. go away.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, but in honesty, like, hey, if you're curious, like, I don't ever want to discourage curiosity. That's the thing. But it's important to know about where to mm. place that curiosity. Like, yeah, I really recommend like, like read up on like queer families, like
0: Find those resources, you know, <laughs> please. <laughs> 100%. I mean, that's what I advocate, that there's nothing wrong with asking because if if I shut you down, you're never going to ask again yeah. and nobody learns, exactly. nothing changes. Exactly,
1: exactly. But it's
0: not my responsibility. I'll give you a basic answer. You go and research it yourself. You go and find out and educate yourself about what it means. Something that came up when I was, when I did that search for polyamory and everything came up about polygamy, I wanted to ask you about does your relationship therefore impact where you can live in the world Mm. particularly as a tck Mm -hmm. if you're like spousal visas and all that kind of stuff i know that in australia if you've lived in what they call a de facto relationship so you're you're all living together as a as a relationship for more than two years that if (laughs) you split then that's considered like any other relationship and it is recognized in terms of rights are there countries that recognize your relationship legally and how does that go with traveling or if you all wanted to live in another country
1: it's a great question and I'll try to do the short version which is <laughs> which is that any polyamorous family has to be some of the most intentional families imaginable particularly because of like legal rights and visa issues and we have plans to have children in the future and our primary concern is making sure that our future kids rights are protected and that if one of us dies then the other two have complete parental rights over our kids. And so many laws in many places are starting to open up around, but it's usually a case by case Mm. basis. Honestly, I haven't kept up with it in the States as much, you know, my, I get like articles. uh, My dad is really sweet and awesome. Like every time he sees a positive polyamory thing in the news, he'll send it to me and I'm like, oh, thanks dad. I love you. (laughs) Brazil is pretty like old school with our laws. So we are not able to be legally married, the three Mm. of us. A few years back, there were maybe three cases of polyamorous Unions that were recognized in Brazil for a very short amount of time, but then they were kind of like overturned. It's kind of like gay marriage, too, you know, that's like it goes back
0: all oh, back and forth. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That fun game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that. But what we've decided to do, and we are really lucky to have access to a family lawyer in our state who specializes in polyamory oh, wow. and like non traditional family mm. structures is to be able to do a contract between the three mm. of us that basically gets on paper what we want to be able to have on paper for our agreement, for our relationship. It doesn't mean that any federal government, Brazilian or otherwise, would necessarily hold that up.
0: It's your agreement. Yes. Yeah. But it's a, like a, exactly. a pre, pre-birth knob.
1: <laughs> exactly. So that's kind of where we are at now. And we've also talked with the lawyer in the States who specializes in like, LGBTQ families and immigration we have the interest of being able to live in the states for some time and so we're trying to kind of figure out how we would do that but the short response is that there's still a lot of unknowns and it's complicated
0: a lot of countries are only just getting their heads around same sex couples exactly uh, let alone Polyamorous. i mean i know of couples where for employers and and colleagues to be aware that if if you're there with your kids as a same-sex couple that one of you is the father or the mother on the forms and the other ones there on a tourist visa potentially yep. sometimes yep. and you've got no rights and your visa status is always at risk mm-hmm. um but there are now there are now a lot of countries in the world that do um same-sex spousal visas which is fantastic so i hope for poly families it's just a matter of time we Um, do too (laughs) we're hopeful yeah but yeah well thank you hugely for coming on and I love your um your frankness and just being real and talking about proper things and being open and honest and like I said with the the kind of shutting down people if we don't have these conversations nothing changes so thank you so much for your time and uh, your generosity of of spirit really in in, in being here oh
1: it's such a pleasure I really enjoyed myself as well and I'm very grateful to you for having this show and wanting to get these conversations out into the world thank you
0: no thank you so if people uh, have any questions or might need some help Mm -hmm. or just want to know more how can people find you on social media
1: yeah so I'm on both facebook and instagram uh adrian sweetwater in facebook Mm -hmm. and my instagram tag is a sweetwater one word okay fantastic Uh, you can see pictures of our triad on there if you're curious
0: too (laughs) (laughs) i've already had a sneaky peek (laughs) it looks wonderful the the three of you together that it does look wonderful thank you so much again and i look forward to hearing what people think of this episode and actually listeners might be interested to know that uh, after the first series, there was feedback on what people wanted to hear about. And this was actually one of the subjects was talking about non-traditional relationships and polyamorous relationships and all kinds of different ways that, that people can be in relationships. So I wanted to let you know that I listened and I'm as interested as the rest of you to, to have this conversation. So Uh, You've been listening to Drawn to a Deeper Story. Thanks for listening.